welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevoort and Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy. I think it's a good point to turn to leadership and I'm, I think like in some of our notes combined um, kind of just talking about good leaders compared to like evil leaders or just bad leaders um, and yeah it's just interesting to see who the good leaders are and like betrayed in the books as opposed to the rings of power and I think there are some good points that we can make, but um, Mark, do you have any? I think some of the stuff, most of the stuff, is uh, some of your comments. But yeah, yeah. So I had this interesting thought that I feels like in the original Lord of the Rings books that most of the leaders are good. I know that's like a pretty crazy claim, but like if you think about it, like there's. Elrond's a leader, Galadriel's a leader, but even like the leaders of men, whereas like Eric and Brand is like sort of a, an important leader in the books, but you think of like even Aomer and Theoden, while like sort of corrupted by Saruman, like becomes very good, like a very strong leader, leads his people rightly. Um, and whereas you think of like Denethor is also sort of corrupted, he still has elements of like goodness to him, and then Faramir is like a good leader. So like, there's a lot of leaders that are portrayed as like really good and really like someone worth following in the in the more recent show it feels like they've sort of shifted away from that uh like a lot of the leaders seem very shifty you know uh it was just most notably to me was like he's not a huge character but gil galad which like nothing bad about him in the books but they've like made him seem very like shifty you know he's sort of playing this political game you know he's asking elrond to lie and send him there to spy and stuff to to the Kazadum. um and yeah, it seems like this almost this like maybe mistrust of authority has like sort of been sneaked into the story. Um, thinking also of like, I mean, obviously in, in the books too, Earth Arizon is very corrupt, but also like you know some of the things going on in the other storylines also seem like maybe the leaders should not be trusted. Um, I thought that was sort of interesting, and was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. Well, I will say I think that there are examples of good leadership in the show. Like um, I think the leader of the Harfoots is kind of portrayed as like, oh, he sort of doesn't believe her at first, but then eventually comes around and realizes that like, oh yeah, she's she's being real and these are good things to do. Um, yeah, Gilgalad uh, is sort of like, he is a little bit more conniving and political in the show. I will say, I think that part of it is just, there's not much in the books from the source material that they're working with about their like leadership styles. Um, so they're kind of having to come up with the characters on their own. And like from a purely storytelling perspective, like it's kind of not interesting for like this kind of dramatic TV show. If like, Oh, all the leaders are great. <laughs> now, obviously like Lord of the Rings, great story. Most of the leaders are looked up to and respectful but i also think again that's it comes down to a difference in storytelling style um in that 
the leaders, because it's not character driven, the leaders don't have to be bad in the Lord of the Rings. They can just be upstanding, great leaders. Whereas in this more like person character driven show, like if all of the good guys are all in accord with what to do, uh, they can't really tell the story the way that they want to tell the story. And let's face it, in this sort of age of, you know, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon and all those sorts of things, like, people are kind of interested in the political stuff. And the clash between a character's personal ideals and what the, the, the authority over them is telling them to do. Um, so I think that that's part of the reason they're writing the characters this way is just that that's what sells to be completely honest. But yeah, I, I do think that they're sort of shifting it that way. I will say the one place that I think it works the best is with the dwarves because the dwarves have traditionally been portrayed as like stubborn and like loyal to their friends to a fault and all these sorts of things that having the dwarves butt heads over stuff makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I mean, you have, you even in The Hobbit, you have Thorin kind of going crazy, and Bilbo, because he's not a dwarf, decides to do the thing that actually makes sense, whereas a lot of the other dwarves are like, yeah, no, we kind of agree with Bilbo, but we swore this loyalty to Thorin, and so I guess we're just here now. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think you're absolutely right. The dwarves, I thought, were portrayed really well. The reason I sort of hit on Gil-Galad is that, um, like, you think of, like, in the Lord of the Rings books where you have, like, Galadriel, Celeborn, yeah. Elrond, even, like, Sirdan, or Curdan, I don't know how you say it. Yeah. Um, but even if you think of, like, the the Silmarillion where, like, yeah, sure, Farinow was, like, a complete jerk and stuff, but, like, literally every other elf leader was, like, a pretty upstanding guy. Um, like, if you think of, like, the High King of the Elves, like, Turgon, Fingolfin, like, Finarfin for a while. Like, all of them were, like, um, pretty upstanding. And therefore, like, it was sort of this really interesting choice of, like, Gilgalad, like, who sort of seems to fill more of an Elrond or Galadriel role in the show, was, like, chosen to make him, hey, let's, like, sort of under or, like, make him seem more shifty and play the political intrigue game. I do want to um, push back on that a little bit. Um, Sounds good. Go for it. Because, for one thing, part of the whole deal of the Silmarillion is that the elves fail because of infighting. Like, that's part of the whole Doom of Mandos, is, like, mm-hmm. your, your a lot of your problems will come from within yourselves. Um, and I think that a lot of the elf leaders, they're good, but they're all flawed in certain ways. Like, Turgon, yeah, he does found Gondolin... Uh, at the behest of Ulmo. Um, But I think you could kind of read it as like, yeah, he's the high king of the elves and he's just disappeared. He's just not engaging with his people in a lot of ways um, for a long period of time. You have um, Thingol, who like doesn't really care about the fight that much. Um, He kind of, whenever he has to get involved, he he sort of uh, has to be coerced into doing it. And then there's the mistreatment of, like, the petty dwarves and the, um, the, like, they don't pay some dwarves, I think, at some point. Nargothrond was, like, a dwarven hall before, um, 
Fingolfin? Finarfin? Who, whoever it is. I think it's Fingen, I want to say. Fingen? Yeah, that sounds right. Before he shows up. I know, they all sound oh, the same. They all sound the same. It's been so long. Um, but, uh, no, it's Finrod. It's Finrod Feligan. Finrod, that's, why. that's right, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, before he shows up, and then he basically kicks the dwarves out of uh, of Nargothrond. Um, and then eventually Nargothrond uh, falls because of their arrogance. And then there's the whole everything that's going on with the sons of Feanor, where they're all, like, jerks. And, like, some of them are jerks and some of them are good people, but they're like, we swore to get the Silmarils, so I guess we're going to have to kill you. Um, so, like... Oh, yeah. I'm not saying, like, all the, like, obviously the Sons of Feanor, they're, like, I was more thinking of, like, the High King of the Elves, because yeah. that's literally the title Gil-Galad holds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, that, like, Turgon, like, the people who hid away and didn't fight, like, they were never meant to be, like, no one, they could never beat Morgoth, right? They were never yeah. meant to beat Morgoth. No, 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 no. So them they hiding could... was actually the right thing to do, and a lot of the times whenever they did choose to fight, it was, like, actually the wrong thing to do. So I don't think, that, like, so they're hiding away is, like, a moral that fault, that's flaw. That's so I think there's, like, a star next to a lot of those. Obviously, like, yes, there are flawed elf characters. Just, like, High King of the Elves is, like, pretty much always a stand-up guy in the Silmarillion. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part that's that's really accurate. Although, um, well, I don't know. I was going to say you have um, Turgon kind of turning Huron away at the end. Um, but that ended up not working out either. Um <laughs> Well, he was being followed too. So yeah, he was, that's, followed that's what I was going to say. Huron was being followed, so it kind of and that actually is how they end up catching yeah. uh, Maeglin. Uh, so in he, the end that and, was and, sort of yeah. the right thing to do. Although, not that he would have had this knowledge, but it wouldn't have mattered either way if he took him in or not. For the most part, I think that's probably a valid critique. With specifically talking about the the High King of the Elves, but again, I think that if you look at the elves as a whole, he's not necessarily acting out of character of how elves would have acted and you know i think that one of the the more interesting things in sort of a long-term historical-ish drama kind of story is that like oh different kings have different personalities and some of them are going to be great upstanding people and some of them are going to be you know shifty jerks but, know. like, Gil-Galad is, ends up, like, befriending El and Dill in the end and, right, going to fight Sauron. So, like, the, yeah. this is eventually a guy who's going to be a good character oh, yeah. and, like, somebody who's a hero and whatever and I want to root for in the show. So, I think that was, like, almost, it seemed almost intentional of, like, hey, we don't want this guy to become too much of a focus and we want to yeah. focus the show on other things. I mean, again, um, in a practical sense, in a book, you can, in a sort of historical narrative book you can focus on way more people i think also that they might be setting him up for a character arc honestly like mm -hmm. he's not really being listening to reason at the moment but eventually he'll sort of come around and and end up because he ends up dying in uh with the spear there was that, that point was... though right at the last episode where elrond comes to Gilgalad and tells him you know that repeats to him the words that he said about hope right Gotta go back to that. So I guess that kind uh, of is a character. It all comes together. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of a character arc for him at that moment. To me, yeah. it was like a showing point of like, okay, I feel like this. He's gonna be somebody who's gonna have a change of heart about a lot of things. Yeah. He also um, is skeptical about the rings of power, right? Which shows he has some sort of wisdom character. or something. <laughs> to, yeah. 
Man, I sure hope they show the rest of the forgings, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, that'd be a super big bummer if they don't. But I do want to see. I I am. This is very off topic, but I do really want to see how they portray the the forging of the One Ring. I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing I put with the leadership thing is, uh, so I thought of like four people who are sort of like leaders in the show rings of power. This is sort of a spicy question, but like of the four of them, you have like the one Hobbit leader, you have Bronwyn, you have Muriel, and you have Galadriel. And three of those four are like female characters. And is this show maybe trying to like sort of push an agenda of like, hey, female leadership is just as good, if not better, than male leadership, or are we reading too much into that? Yeah, so... I feel like you might... Well, I was going to say, I feel like I might be reading too much into it, mostly because of those three characters, two of them are leaders in uh, Tolkien's works themselves. So Galadriel is, like, portrayed as basically, you know, the most powerful individual outside of, like, Sauron in Middle-earth, even potentially until Gandalf comes back as Gandalf the White, Galadriel is more powerful than he is, and even up to that point she might be. And then Muriel is portrayed as the last good ruler of Numenor before our Farazan takes over. The girl from the Southlands, Brionwyn? Bronwyn? Bronwyn, Bronwyn? yeah. Um, The one issue that I would take with that is just from a historical standpoint it might not make the most sense to have her be like the leader of the village but also like it's not unheard of so it's not I don't think that's unrealistic I don't I don't really see that much of an agenda in it um that's just my my personal take on it yeah I guess a lot of people especially big fans who I guess they're just not all about the woke thing, which is interesting. But they, you know, they think the show's woke. And the only thing that I could see the show being woke for is, you know, the possible feminism with the female leaders. But at that same time, just thinking about the way that it's been betrayed in other ways, in film, media, whatever that the women have definitely been more of like, oh, like, you know, kick butt, like, I can do anything, nobody can stop me, kind of a thing. And I'm not saying that's, like, they're kind of doing that with Galadriel, but at the same time, it's not, like, so in my face, especially with the other two female characters, that I would say, like, okay, there's a huge woke agenda here. But I think that people who are, who are, you know, really uh, strict fans... I mean, they probably just don't like the the addition of different races in because, you know, Tolkien's world would be a medieval, you know, like, Western European world, which, you know, okay, but at the same time, like, for me, that's not a big issue, but for them, they're calling it woke for those reasons, which are a little more particular. Yeah, I think also it can get a little bit into the realm of they don't really like the show anyways, and so they're just kind of yeah. looking mm. for reasons to to nitpick it and not like it. And it's like, that's kind of weak. Like, it's just like, if you don't like the show, just say you don't like the show. You don't need to make up a reason to justify it. Like, I don't know. I got you. I, that's, that's, 
for other things that I've like posted online and whatnot that people have had a quibble with about the show, and it's like, you know, come on, man, like you're yeah. like wait, <laughs> the other they think they're making a big deal of it because you know they don't like the show, and it's yeah. also interesting. Just on a side note here, real fast, is that some of these people actually sound like they've watched the thing the whole way through. Oh which yeah, is very interesting to me. I'm like, okay, if you didn't like it, why did you keep watching it? But I feel like they had, like, this sense of, like, you know, as a fan, they'd have to, like, watch it to see how it, like, turns out um, in that way. What they don't realize is that the studios don't care if you like it. They just care if you watched it. So if you're watching it just to hate it, that's not going to stop them from doing what they're doing (laughs) if you you actually have an issue with anything, which, for the record, I don't really have an issue with anything they've done in the show. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, you guys have made some really good points. The one thing I will say is, like, you're absolutely right uh, to Matt's point that, like, Galadriel and Meriel are both portrayed good characters in the books, but, you know, so is Gilgalad, and it seems like they almost intentionally sort of shifted away. Obviously, like you guys said, both said I agree. They're like, I've definitely watched things that feel more like they have an agenda to them. This show has done a good job of portraying all characters of all types. Um, I will say the one thing is it does sort of feel like, at least with the character of Galadriel, that, like, Okay, here's a woman who's stronger than all the dudes and, you know, is just sort of like, uh, right, this super martial artist person that overcomes all our obstacles very easily. And I would. That sort of is like, I, I don't know. We've had this discussion before. <laughs> yeah, we, and I've, I've touched like, on this many times. I would also yeah, like and to we point will, out but, yeah. that if they're trying to make Galadriel be like, yeah, girl boss, it's like they're writing her as a very mannish girl. And it's, like, I think, I know, like, I have friends who are very much, uh, like, feminists and stuff like that. And one of the critiques they would probably have of this is that, like, they're not writing her like a strong female character. They're writing her like a strong male character. And so if their goal with her is to make her a strong female character, they're not really succeeding. (laughs) Because they're just... They're just writing her as what a guy thinks a strong female character would be like, which <laughs> isn't really a successful tactic if you're trying to do that sort of thing. So yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and like other shows have like sort of done that, but that like yeah, um, I think especially like some quality she has that like you see how ambitious she is and how driven she is to excluding other people is almost seen like a positive quality in a strong female leader, but like. And any male leader that would be seen as an incredibly negative quality, right? Of someone you'd like, we'd instantly super dislike him, um, which is really interesting, I think. And they have sort of portrayed Gladriel that way, at least in the first yeah. few episodes they did. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know. I think I was just going to kind of going back to the I think people are just looking at it to dislike it. I think part of that just comes down to the fact that it's a Lord of the Rings thing that doesn't feel super Lord of the Ringsy. Like, Personally, if this wasn't a Lord of the Rings show, one, to be fair, I probably wouldn't watch it because I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, But if I was watching it and it was just a standalone fantasy thing, I think it would be fine. Like, I think I would enjoy it. Um, But I think people and I think it would do reasonably well, probably not enough to justify being the most expensive TV show ever made. But um, I, I think that in another universe where it's the exact same plot lines, it's just uh, its own thing. 
I don't think there'd be nearly as many people complaining about it because there'd be there wouldn't be nearly as people many that as many people that would care. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though like I mean I think this is a really interesting question. I think especially not just this universe but a lot of other universes. You think of Star Wars, Harry Potter, everybody seems to be like writing sequels to sequels at this point. Oh, uh, Marvel yeah. too. No, I've I've gone um, over that I've gone over that point where like I think uh there's a lot of shows and stuff that have happened recently where like one side will be like oh it's too woke and the other side will be like oh it's not woke enough and i'm just in the middle like it's not original enough just make your <laughs> own shows please yeah like, i think but to your point that like i think as a fan of like these universes like if you like write a decent story, but you put it in a universe I love, I have a right to hold you to a higher standard for putting in a universe yeah. I love. Like, I think sure, if you write fair. a decent fantasy story and don't set in Lord of the Rings, I'll give you more slack. But if you set in Lord of the Rings and are like putting like inspired by J.R.R. Tolkien, like my favorite author, underneath it, like I'm gonna hold you to a higher standard and yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on the little flaws and it, like I don't know, like, and that's I think maybe what it comes down to is that like. Yeah, like if I if it wasn't a Lord of the Rings show, I might think it was a really good show. But like because it is, I'm like, ah, eh, it's like sort of okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, really quick before, like, I don't know. I really did want to ask, what is your guys' opinion of the biggest change from the original Lord of the Rings movies to the original Lord of the Rings books? Dude, whenever I read the Lord of the Rings books for the first time. I was just like eye opened, and this is completely against what you're opposite of what you're saying. But like, I'm like, what? It's like every other line is the same thing. I'm flipping, <laughs> reading. I'm like, this scene with Frodo and Gandalf and Mines of Moria is like, is copy and paste. So I was really, I was surprised at that. But, um, I think, <laughs> I think that I liked the uh, Boromir dying at the end of the Fellowship better than him dying at the beginning of the two towers book mm. but yeah getting rid of tom bobadil no not actually <laughs> oh um, no i uh, i actually <laughs> i wish i wish that in the extended edition not even as part of the extended edition i wish in like the bonus features they would have added a whole thing about tom bombadil um but no i Wait. understand why they got rid of tom bombadil uh I just, I think, honestly, it is some of the characterization. So, um, and this is totally ripping off, like, a YouTube video I watched a few months ago. Um, Nerd but, of the Rings. Yeah, I think it was Nerd of the Rings. <laughs> uh, but, like, like we went over with Aragorn. Aragorn being less confident up until right towards the end. Um, and uh, Gimli being the comic relief and not sort of a more serious character. Um, I think those are, uh, I think those two things are probably like the characterization of those things are probably my biggest gripes with the, uh, um, with the movies over the books is that like the characterization of certain characters changed. But again, like, you're changing the medium and there are certain things that you have to do to get it to all work out. And I think they probably made the sacrifices that they could. And I mean, I, I still really enjoy the movies, obviously. Uh, they're really good, but, 
I think that, yeah, those are probably my biggest gripes is that they, uh, that, or that they made the Hobbit trilogy. That might be my biggest <laughs> gripe with the movie. Yeah. That one was, uh, not super great, uh, but I think you're right that like you can still enjoy a, a great movie and oh, yeah. like, even if it's not, uh, perfect, but I will say that mine is actually a very specific in that the book, when Gollum bites the ring off Frodo's finger, he falls in on his own. And in the movies, mm. Frodo wrestles him in. And mm-hmm. I actually think that's really important for how Tolkien wrote the story where, yeah. you know, Frodo fails in the end. He doesn't do anything. And it's sort of like, um, but in the movie, he sort of succeeds because he wrestles Gollum into the, the lava. Yeah. Um, I think just to like get back to the way Tolkien writes his story, you know, Tolkien actually, it's, it's interesting because like, I think actually like there's like a Christ analogy in this like Gollum character where like, you know, nobody nobody could destroy the ring on their own. Nobody could have walked him out to doom. Yeah. And so they need a higher power to provide a sacrificial lamb. And, like, Gollum is that sacrificial lamb that's, like, sacrificed um, because that's nobody funny. else could do it. And sort of, like, interesting, yeah. yeah, I think it's really, really interesting um, was just something I thought about. Uh, but, yeah, that's, like, I think one of the biggest change because it's, like, the whole climax of the entire series. Yeah. The other um, change that it falls into me, with me, it falls in the same category as Tom Bombadil, is the scourging of the Shire. Because oh yes, no, I actually would have, I would have liked to see that. I was going to say the scourging of the Shire. The reason, the reason it's there, and they do make reference to it in the Pool of Galadriel, because they knew that that was when they're going to have to cover it. But uh, the reason it's important is it because is because it shows that this war has reached every part of middle earth and it's affected everybody even the people you wouldn't think that would have affected it so it's an important part of the story however from a movie making perspective i know why they had to cut it because it doesn't make any sense to introduce an entirely new plot after the climax of your story um yeah uh and also they'd already killed saruman which they probably did because they weren't going to do the Scourging of the Shire anyways, but, you know. Sorry, really quick. The other really important thing about the Scourging of the Shire is it shows the Hobbit's character growth, that they're yes. the ones who save the Shire in the end, and they can do it because they've been through all these terrible things and learned all these lessons from the rest of the book. And it shows that Frodo is the most affected of all of them because mm-hmm. it's finally the period where his involvement in the plot finally kind of matches his importance to the plot because, like... Frodo, like, a lot of his struggle is internal. And because of the way the story is written, you don't get a ton of that. You get a lot of it, but you don't get as much, like, the perspective of me in high school when I was reading it, or middle school when I was reading it. Frodo was probably the least interesting Hobbit. Because it's just like, yeah, he's getting affected by the ring, and I see how that's a deep and wonderful thing, but it's just like, it's just not interesting when his friends are off fighting Nazgul and stuff. Um, but he finally deservedly kind of can take the, the focus gets taken off of him while at the same time it emphasizes how exhausted and how affected by the journey he was over his friends to the point that he's the one who's like staying their hand and keeping them from going down the dark path uh, in the end. And so, um, yeah, I, I really would have, that's, that's another thing where it's like, if they had done like a short film and added it into the like special features or something, that would have been great. 
That would have been the best way to handle it. Just be like, if you really want to watch the whole thing, just slot this in between returning to the Shire and uh, going to the Grey Havens. And, like, they could have done the same thing with Tom Bombadil. Like, just, just slot this scene in between them leaving the Shire and making it to Bree. So... I really wish, because I would have loved to have seen those actors do those parts, but say la vie. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.